Hello and welcome to the Essential B2B podcast. I'm your host, Josie Caro. This episode is a conversation with Ollie Biddle, who is the Brand Experience Marketing and Content Manager at Collaborate Global. This is a really good chat. Ollie and I got into it about how to stay creatively unpredictable, which is a phrase which came up on a previous podcast um, with Taylor Sessfield, which I recommend you go and listen to as well. And that sort of prompted me to get Ollie onto the podcast to have a chat with him about exactly what that phrase means. Uh, he tells a story about wheeling a big Darth Vader into Google's office, which is great. It's a really good chat. There's lots to take away. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the Essential B2B podcast. So I, I was recording a, a podcast, um, I think it was last week, so very recently, and your name actually came up. So I hope your ears were burning. We were talking about brand experiences, me and my guest, and the phrase being creatively unpredictable came up. Can you tell me what that means to you? Good first question. Uh, being creatively <laughs> unpredictable, I think, by its very nature, is just about doing the opposite of what is expected in that moment. Um, I think me and the guest who you're talking about, Taylor, were chatting before about um, the kind of premise and nuts and bolts of what marketing is. And I think those who've been to uni and done their CIM course, you know, you kind of follow this path and it's easy to get kind of pigeonholed into what is a creative job but it's very function it's very base level it should be creative right so being creatively unpredictable i think just kind of challenges that norm and says well okay well if we need to do email marketing for example what's going to make me want to open an email what's going to make me want to click a link and it's not normally because the asos have used red flashing emojis on the subject line about doing something different you know how how difficult is it then to to sort of break out of that you know following the rule book following the playbook coming up with ways of thinking outside that sort of very taut environment that must be quite tricky to to free yourself from yeah i think it's a really good point i think it has there's many levels to it i think the most important thing um, and where i was quite lucky with collaborate is how you start so if you're coming into, let's say you're a marketing manager and you're coming into a position that's already been fulfilled and done previously, um, if the marketing manager for B&Q, for example, there's very much boxes that have to be ticked already. But if you can rewrite the job description and rewrite how the process is done, then in theory, you're then creating the boxes that need to be ticked. So for me, when I joined Collaborate two and a half years ago, it was very much, well, who, who are brands that we love working? Who are brands that we love personally? Uh, and then out of those individual people or out of those individual brands, sorry, who are then the brand managers and what makes them tick? And the only box that I had to tick in my own head was, are we doing something that puts us in front of those people who work for those brands? And the story that we're telling is that, hey, Gymshark, I love using your product and I love what you guys do. Um, we think we can make something together. You know, you're not, it's not a features and benefits. Hey, we can build this exhibition stand and we can do it cheaper and better. It's like, no, we're really passionate about your product. And that will probably be true if we work with you as well. Mm. So becoming sort of a a disruptor to that, if you like, the the creative side of market, well, of anything comes from people who haven't necessarily followed a set path given to them then. Would you would you be able to give me some examples of your your brand experiences? Because I know we've spoken about a couple on um, a previous webinar, but just off the top of your head, what are the the, the biggest ones that you've had success with? Uh, so, so the, the Gymshark one was a was a good example. So that was uh, we 
there's a chap called Noel Mack who's quite big on LinkedIn. He's the chief brand officer of Gymshark and he's become his own kind of influencer in his own right. But two years ago, I think he was just starting on that journey. Um, and we, I wanted to put something in front of him, right? I wanted it to be something physical that he could see and, and look at because we were in the middle of COVID and it was also digital anyway. So immediately that was like, okay, how do we differentiate? Well, physically putting something in front of someone was a good start. And then the second point was, for me, I love playing on the mystery element of like that brand piece. Like, so we basically got this wooden box and on the outside, we read our company name in invisible ink all over it. So you, when you saw the box, you couldn't see anything, it's just a wooden box. And then inside I packaged up four little gifts and wrote four little envelopes that were numbered one, two, three, and four. And they were all kind of a nod to what we do as an agency, as a creative agency. So the first one was like, um, uh, I did some research into Noel and found out that he had a motorbike and loved a show called Gangs of London. So I got him a mask, like COVID obviously, got him a mask with Gangs of London and like a little key ring that had a motorbike on it and the letter N. And that was a nod to our social listening tools about how we you know, have our finger on the pulse and can, you know, don't want to be too creepy but we're like you know we can use social analytics to kind of you know work out and build a good demographic of someone and then there was a couple other bits and i can't remember the rest of them but basically the last present was a an invisible like a uv torch and at this point there's no branding on the box there's no stickers there's nothing he has no idea who this is from and then the letter in the last one said look if you want to keep your gifts then by all means just have them and you know throw whatever is in package number four away but if you want to you know, step into the unknown a little bit, open up package number four and you'll know what to do. And uh, he obviously opened it and then found me on my personal Instagram of all things um, and reached out. And then we had a conversation and, and yeah, it was, it was solid. Is there a sort of a balancing act that you need to do there? Because, I mean, like you, you mentioned that, okay, so it's a, it's a torch that gives you a, a UV light and everything. And you say, you'll know what to do. Is there a balancing act of going, well, you know, we've sort of pushed you in the right direction of what you are supposed to do to find out who we are. But there is every chance that he just goes, nah, and forgets her. So that's quite a risk you take there. Yeah. I mean, we, we, yeah, we did one recently where we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, on National Coffee Day on the 1st of October, we made, uh, not me personally, we paid someone to do it professionally, but we made a 50-inch uh, version of the Costa Coffee can as a cake. Uh, you know, the, the sidekick cans they've got where it says like latte written at the top. We basically made a humongous 50 inches. This thing was massive. Um, and we got the baker. We didn't tell the baker that we didn't actually know the person. So we just got her to blag her way into Costa's head office. And she got all the way to the kitchen and left the cake there. And there was a note to a chap called Charlie Harper, who was the brand manager. And on the note, we said, you know, happy National Coffee Day. You know, we love what you guys do. I personally am a big fan of Costa. Um, and it never went anywhere. He never responded back. He never made any communication. So it's a prime example, but I would rather us try constantly and not be put down by the results, really. Like the win for me is the creative idea. The win isn't if Charlie from Costa gets back because at the end, that point, we've done everything we can to represent our brand in the best way possible. If he's not interested, you know, it's it's a tough point. And just to close off on that point, that is the hardest thing about marketing that way because in theory you're you're looking for a white whale people aren't coming to you with a brief we might we got in touch with Gymshark and we had multiple conversations with their team 
But in all honesty, it didn't go anywhere. You know, we have had success in other measures, but it was because at that point in time, Gymshark didn't have a brief to give us. So it's very hard to make that introduction, get them on board. They really loved to collaborate as an agency, but they didn't have anything for us at the time. And then, you know, three, four months later, the world moves on. You know? mm. What flavor was the cake? It had to be vanilla latte, right? <laughs> when we, we spoke previously on uh, the webinar that I mentioned, um, Ollie, and I've, I'm desperate to know a bit more about a story um, that you sort of alluded to. You wheeled a big Darth Vader into a client's office. Yeah, into, into London, into Google's office in London. Um, okay, you've got to tell me that story. <laughs> so we had uh, a new chap start with us, uh, a guy called Steve. He knew, uh, he knew of the VP, the vice president of Android, under the Google banner. All he knew about him was that he was a big Star Wars fan. So we got, uh, we ordered a two life-size or bigger than like eight-foot cutouts of Darth Vader. We still got one downstairs, I think. And um, and we cut out the control panel on one of them's chest. And then we basically, I filmed a video of me pretending to be Princess Leia in the scene where she becomes a hologram and is like saying, we're on a mission, we blah, 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 blah. So created that video, made it into a QR code, stuck that on the control panel, and then stuck the other control panel over the top, right? Hopefully that's not too confusing. And then basically sent it with a note that just said, hey, Richard, take off my control panel and you'll know what to do, right? Um, and then I and then I took it on a train to London. And I find you just do things with enough confidence and people will just let you through. You just kind of smile and nod. All the way into like Google's private postal department went in there made friends with the team in there and then dropped it off and then yeah and then that we ended up having a conversation with them and we've still got chats on going with them now about stuff out in california so um, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's yeah you've got to kind of take the path least traveled i think sometimes ollie what uh what challenges have you been working on recently then it's it's kind of taken a, a bit of a different direction at the moment so we basically uh our, our main, my main focus over the last couple of months has been to kind of bring in more youth and more culture into not only the business, but the work that we do for clients. Because obviously the thing that we haven't spoke about yet is like, yes, it's all well and good doing this funny marketing to uh, for us to win business. But as an agency, we are also an experiential marketing agency for brands like Aston Martin and Goodwood. Um you know, and Sky and people like that. So we have to creatively come up with ideas for those brands as well. Um, so for me at the moment, a, a, big pu- a big push over the last couple of months has been to make stronger connections with Chichester College, Chichester Uni, Southampton Uni, go out and talk to students. We've actually employed marketing junior from Chichester College on a couple of days a week um, to get that more youthful insight. Um, so, and also like I want to, build a team creatively that can come up with ideas like you know i said to her to izzy our new hire i was like the weirder and wackier you know we were talking about we've missed the opportunities today actually 7th of november it's national um teddy bear day and we were going to get a six foot uh teddy bear and then hollow it out and then hire someone to walk into builder bear's office with a boom box on their shoulder like with a song on it but we never had time to do it but just, <laughs> just talking about um, ideas like that, really, I think that's the main, you know, focus over the last couple of months. So you say, like, with the introduces, you know, saying 
the weirder, the wackier the idea, the better. Have there ever been ideas where you've gone, that is slightly too far? No, I'd encourage it, I'll be honest. Like, I, I don't think the boat can be put, as long as it's not offensive and as long as it's not, you know, harmful, I don't think the boat can be pushed far enough, I'll be honest. Like, I'd love to see, I'd love to find that opportunity. I'd love for something to kind of stop me in my tracks and go, you know what, let's not do that. <laughs> I'm so pleased that that was the answer. <laughs> um, this could be sort of professional or personal, if you like, Ollie, but um, I wonder what's your biggest achievement? My biggest achievement, I would say, um, I'd say, I'll give you both, I'll be honest. Like, personally, I'd say I did uh, uh, 100 kilometers in 24 hours earlier this year. But the premise of that challenge was um, my grandma basically passed away a couple of years ago. And she wanted me, she always said it when she passed away, before she passed away, she was like, oh, I want you to raise some money, but don't do it for me do it for like your grandpa and um, it was parkinson's and i basically set a goal of like 500 quid and then just walk around my local like nature reserve 20 times couldn't be that hard right and uh it was absolutely hell it was 23 and a half hours um yeah 62 miles and i ended up raising just over three and a half grand for it i think so that was that's probably been my biggest personal achievement today i'd say so is, is fitness a big thing for you then? Because I saw you'd, uh, you you completed the Great South Run very recently, didn't you? Yeah, Great South Run two two and a half weeks ago. Um, yeah, fitness is a big thing for me. I think it's, I kind of fell in love with running. I'm 27 now. I fell in love with running probably like three or four years ago. Um, and then like a lot of people just in COVID, it was either a choice of sitting around doing nothing or, you know, getting out and, you know, just training a little bit. And um, yeah, just I've found that, as I've worked more and, you know, like, and I've got a 15 month old son now. So finding the time to go out and holding yourself accountable and getting out running and stuff like that, I think helps creatively helps product, mm. you know, from a productivity wise um, basis, you know? So yes, yeah, it is really important. And I would encourage anyone to start and it sucks for the first six months. And then you'll get that day where you're like, oh, actually I fancy, quite fancy a run now. And then you get out. <laughs> There's a, uh, a, quite a lot that I see about sort of you know particularly in terms of creativity that you know you're that's when your ideas come to you is in fact you know when you're not sat at desk trying to think of an idea it's when you're away from everything just that distraction and particularly I suppose with running because it's literally it's one foot in front of the other you've got almost that monotony of doing the same thing over and over again that your brain can just fire on, on all cylinders I suppose Massively, yeah. And I think as an agency, it's something that we're trying to encourage more. I think we've got 16 employees now. We've employed a lot of people. I don't know how many it's gone up to, but we're employing a lot of people. And I think it's always been at the core of our culture to try and encourage that because whether it's me trying to think about new business marketing, creative ideas, or whether it's, you know, we've got a project in for Sky to do this or tell the story. Exactly as you said, you know, if you're forced if you give yourself a two-hour window where you're sat at a desk, you know, you're not going to get the best results out of that. What really motivates you at the start of your day or the start of your week? Oh, I'd say, um, I'd say a cliche answer is like family, obviously. Like, like I said, I've got a son now mm. and um, that's been amazing. And I think anyone with children 
will know that like when they get over a year old, the amount you get back, you give a lot in the first year to your child, right? The first six months is, you know, you've got a crying, screaming, pooping baby, you know, and then they start to smile and laugh. And then after a year, they can like run after you and chase and play together and stuff. So I think that's, that's my key motivator really uh, in terms of life. And then in, in terms of work, it's just about, putting myself in a situation that allows that creativity to not flourish because that sounds cheesy but to, to be there and to you know live and breathe itself and I'm very blessed I very I enjoy the work I do at Collaborate and I enjoy being a part of something like this um, and I think having that not just the team around you but having that attitude and culture within the work that you know if I say hey look we're gonna fly a plane over this place and do some writing in the sky because the brand manager will think it's cool you know, I run my own budget. It's me that makes that decision, which I think is cool. Who else are you inspired by? I think this it's a really interesting point for me because when I did my challenge earlier this year, I there was a lot, I thought a lot about inspiration and motivation because I think inspiration is the thing that gives you the kick up the bum to get going. But motivation is the thing that's going to keep you going, right? So if I say, who am I inspired by? There's There's two people. There's a chap called Harvey Lewis, uh, who's got a fantastic podcast, a rich podcast with Rich Roll. He's not on it as he was on it as a guest, sorry. Um, he ran, he broke the record for a race in America called Big's Backyard Ultra, where ev- the premise of the race is every hour on the hour you run four miles and it only finishes when the last person finishes. So it could, in theory, go on forever, right? Um, and the record was something like 200 miles, which is an obscene amount. Bear in mind that these guys are running for like 45 minutes, sleeping for seven minutes, eating for two minutes, and then doing it over and over. And there is no end in sight. There's no finish line. And he broke the record by 150 miles. He ran 354 miles in 80 hours. And he finished on a Saturday. And then he drove home that night, slept, woke up, and then ran to work the next morning as a science teacher. That's insane, isn't it? The, the bit that gets you, I suppose, yes, okay, it's, it's the fact he broke you know, all the records by, you know, such a huge margin. But I think the best part of that is that, yeah, he then just got up and he ran to, to work the next day. That's, yeah. that is insanity, isn't it? That's craziness. It, by that point, I mean, you can't train to do that. Like, I mm. mean, that's just your mental spirit. That's just mental toughness at that point. There isn't a human being that can train to run 360 versus 354. By that mm. point, you're just telling yourself, this is what I'm going to do. And he does, you know, he did it. And um, yeah, super interesting character, but just such a normal bloke, which again, I find really interesting. He's not branded himself. He's just, his name's Harvey Lewis. He's just a normal, he's a science teacher and he's the best, one of the best ultra runners in the whole world. That is utterly fantastic. What a guy. Are you, uh, you must be, are you familiar with the work of, uh, is it David Goggins at all? Do you know that guy? Yeah. So interestingly, he's the person who's, first made me think about the difference between inspiration and motivation because I read David Goggins I was really I was really interested in David Goggins I don't really I'm not a huge fan of him in terms of like the content he produces like I Mm. I find it a little bit fake I'll be honest Mm. but I was interested in him then I read his book and I was really like the first half of the book I was really inspired I was like this guy's nuts if he can do this why can't I do it and then as the book kind of went on, I kind of lost touch a little bit with it. And then that was the first thought I ever had about 
well, okay, well, David Goggins inspired me for a section, but David Goggins doesn't motivate me to do more. Like, I'm inspired by Harvey Lewis running the Biggs Backyard Ultra, but when I was doing my challenge, after 18 hours, that inspiration was dry. I had nothing. There's no song that could have come on. There's no podcast I could have listened to from any ultra runner who would have got me around. By that point, it was the fact that my mum was with me and I had my arm around her shoulder that I was like, that was what motivated me to finish. And like, you know, a McDonald's on the next lap motivated me. It wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't inspired by that point, which I think is an interesting point about work in general, because when you stay with a company for a long period of time, you've got to realize that inspiration is going to dry up at some point. You know, you have to find new ways to get inspired and you have to find new ways to get motivated. That's a really interesting take, is that, and something that I've not actually really considered before is the the differentiation between inspiration and motivation because it, you can conflate the two, but actually, when you break it down in the way that you have there, they are quite separate things. Actually, it's a really good point. Massively, yeah. I mean, if it's peeing down a rain outside, I might be inspired to get up and go out, but if I'm not motivated, I'm probably going to do a short run, a bit slow. Do you know what I mean? And at the same mm. time if I'm motivated to run, I might not be inspired to go out on that day. It might say, oh, well, I'm motivated to do this race. I'll go out tomorrow. I don't really feel too inspired today. So Mm. you both have to live in tandem, but inspiration will finish. It will dry up. There'll be a point where it stops. You have to find that new form of inspiration. What do you love about your industry? And is there anything you would change about it? Oh, there's absolutely loads I love about this industry. Like we... As Collaborate, we work in, like I said, a a very niche within the event sector. So we are there as a brand activation agency in its core. If if Aston Martin have a new car they're launching or if Kellogg's have a new flavor cereal, um, you know, it's our job to find a way to creatively build something, whether it be digitally or physically, um, which I guess that's where you would look at it as an event. So it might be a reason to get people together uh, and then you know, uh, focus on the experience within that. So if we were going to take an exhibition stand, for example, our focus wouldn't be on what size is it and, you know, what colour is it going to be? Those things are important, but our focus would be on, well, how do we make sure people stay in the area and how do they connect with it and how do you bring them deeper into your brand? Um, So I think the thing that I love is just the constant ability to just change with every single brief. You know, you're constantly looking at new tech, new innovation, uh, and, you know, no two briefs are the same. No one would come to us and say, hey, look, here's a templated version of what we want. They say, hey, we're launching a new flavor, apple flavored cereal targeted at 25 to 34 year olds in London. What can we do? We go, brilliant. Let's just come up with something weird and wacky and make it work. Um, And then what I'd change, I think, I think it's a tough one, really. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't change too much. I think there is definitely a consensus within our industry that the pitch process is slightly broken because you've got a major brand that will ask five agencies to pitch for work. Uh, that major brand may already have an incumbent agency, and then the other agencies might be paying a lot of money, like tens of thousands of pounds, to create a pitch for it when in all honesty, the brand manager from the brand might already know the answer. So I think, but then my job is to find creative ways around the pitch process. So bring it on, let them carry on pitching and we'll go in the side door, you know? 
<laughs> no, fantastic. Um, Ollie, this has been a really, really, really lovely chat. I've really enjoyed speaking with you um, this morning, this very rainy morning, as we, we've mentioned. Um, if there's one top tip that you would like people listening to this to take away from our chat today, what would that single bit of advice be? Well, I think I think the cliche answer would be to like you know be creative and you know all that all that good stuff. But I think my genuine top tip would be to hold yourself accountable and make time for that hobby, physical activity. Whether it's walking, I would massively encourage running, but just hold yourself accountable to it. Have a goal, whether that be whether it is physical or not. Whether it's you're going to run your first five k in a year's time or whatever just put something in the diary that you can then stick to and then you know you don't have to run a marathon you don't have to do an ultra Ironman. you know just something that you can then say okay well if i work a little bit every single day towards that goal when you hit it you'll realize oh actually you know what it's not about the race it's not about that day it's about all of the work leading up to that point and then you suddenly value okay well the fact that i did go out on that tuesday at 9 p.m for 20 minute run because and it was horrible actually benefited me eight months later when i built up that base layer of fitness it's not about fitness it's about you know having something in the future hold yourself accountable and then you know just take steps to get that point and then you'll realize that all it is is just chipping away a little bit and then you'll get there that's what i'd say don't expect to pick up a banjo and then play for Munford and Sons straight away. Exactly. I couldn't say that <laughs> myself to be honest, Joe. <laughs> Ollie thank you so much for joining me on the Essential B2B podcast today. Cheers, Joe. Thank you.